years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The grass withers and the flowers fade, and the word of our God endures forever. All right, welcome to Exilic, especially if it's your first time here. Maybe uh, you're visiting the city for the holidays, uh, and you just happen to be here for our service. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to begin today by asking you a rhetorical question. And the question is this, take a guess, how much money Mariah Carey makes off of royalties every single year for the song, All I Want for Christmas is You? Take a guess, 10,000, 100,000, 500,000, 1 million dollars. She makes 1 million dollars just off of royalties for one song. And a part of the reason for that is because of people like me. Because I can listen to Christmas music even in the summertime, and that is incurable. And so she makes a million dollars every single year. And part of the reason why we love that song is because it makes us feel merry. And yet at the same time, uh, for some of us, and I know this firsthand as well, the holidays can also feel very uh, melancholic as well, right? Not just merry, but oftentimes sorrowful. And sometimes it's because we miss our families. Sometimes we, we feel like mourning because of our families, because they, they stress us out. Uh, some of us get seasonal depression. Every New Yorker has a uh, lack of vitamin D around this time of year. Some of us feel lonely. We thought that this, this was the year we would experience love, but uh, it has eluded us again. And so this time of year can also be very sorrowful. Uh, there's a reason why in the book, uh, there's a book in the Bible that's actually called Lamentations. And so crying on our pillows, grieving, sorrow, mourning um, is sadly a normal part of the Christian life, this side of heaven. And yet at the same time, as followers of Jesus, we are not just called to be a people that lament but we are also called to be a people of laughter as well. In Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 4, it says, There is a time for everything, a time to weep, and a time to laugh. So I'm not sure if you've ever heard a talk, a TED Talk on laughter, or let alone a sermon on laughter, but study after study shows that laughter is good for our mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. It reduces stress anxiety, depression, it lowers our blood pressure, it actually boosts our immune system. But one of the greatest reasons why we should laugh is because it even burns calories. Proverbs 17.22 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And what this verse is saying here is that while laughter cannot cure cancer, it cannot cure crushed bones, Laughter can cure a crushed spirit. And so when both science and scripture are validating the same thing, chances are it must be true. However, according to psychology today, they say that the average three-year-old laughs 40 times a day, while the average 40-year-old only laughs three times a day. And so the question that I 
do want to ask every single one of us is this. As we wrap up 2023, as we head into yet another year, 2024, as each of us gets one year older, with every passing year, are you increasingly becoming more of a curmudgeon or are you becoming more like a child? One of my mentors uh, said to me once, take the gospel seriously, but never take yourself seriously. Do you take your life and yourself way too seriously? The comedian Michael Pritchard once said, you don't stop laughing because you grow old. You actually grow old because you stop laughing. So I want you today to do a quick humor audit, laugh audit of your life. Are you laughing enough lately? So what I want to do today is go over just three quick points. Number one, I want to take a look at the different kinds of laughter there are. Number two, I want to take a look at the ingredients of laughter. And then number three, I want to take a look at timing and laughter as well. Okay, so look with me at verse one and two where it says this. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. So if you're here for the first time, we're actually on our final lap in our series on Genesis, which we'll be wrapping up next week uh, for our Christmas Eve service. And one of the things that we read here is that Sarah is pregnant. Her husband Abraham is 100 years old. Sarah herself is 91 years old, and now she's pregnant. So I want you to very quickly picture your grandmother in your head for a moment, okay? My grandmother next month is turning 101 years old. I love my grandmother, but I do not want to picture her pregnant, okay? Can you imagine Sarah and Abraham actually being pregnant? And so I think this is where we need to have a little bit of empathy for them, and this is the reason why they couldn't imagine this actually happening and why Sarah actually didn't laugh with God, but she laughed at God at the thought of being pregnant, which is why in chapter 18 she says this. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Because up to this point she was barren. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. <laughs> um, so what we see here is the word laugh four times. Okay, but what kind of laughter was this? Was this a joyful kind of laughter or was this more of a mocking kind of laughter? And I think the kind of laughter that we see here is more of a scoffing, ridiculing, mocking kind of laughter that we see here. Uh, my daughter was at a camp this past summer, first time at like a summer camp uh, uh, in our city. And they were going on a field trip and uh, this boy pushed her to the ground, and everyone started laughing at her. Now, what kind of laughter is that? Is that a joyful, happy kind of laughter, or is that more of a mocking, ridiculing kind of laughter? That's more of a mocking, ridiculing laughter, right? 
You know the kind of laughter Sarah had here? This wasn't a joyful laughter. This was a mocking at God kind of laughter. And you know why she's mocking God? Because she's just as skeptical as us. She's just as scientific as us. 91-year-olds don't get pregnant today. They didn't get pregnant back then either. And so she had every reason to be a skeptic of what God was promising her. But one year later, in the irony, paradox, and humor of God, Sarah becomes pregnant. And this is what the skeptic Sarah says when she finds out she's pregnant. Verse 6 and 7, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh not at me, but with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? Sarah goes quickly from becoming a skeptic to a believer. And, here, and the question is, how? How does she go from a skeptic to a believer? And I think one of the reasons why she's able to go from a skeptic to a believer is because she's able to see the irony, paradox, and humor of God. She says here in this text, God is the one that has brought me laughter. He is the great comedian. And so she moves from being a skeptic to a believer because she's not only able to laugh at, uh, with God, but she's able to laugh at her own circumstances. And I think while there is an art to comedy, especially for those of you who like comedians, there's also a science to com uh, comedy as well. There are specific ingredients you need to make people laugh. So, for example, when you want to mock someone and laugh at them, the ingredient that you need is to ridicule someone at their expense without their approval, right? So that's how you can produce a mocking kind of scoffing laughter. So that's a negative kind of laughter. But there are ingredients to produce a positive, joyful kind of laughter too. One way of producing like a, a happy kind of laughter, one ingredient is like just talking about the mundane and bringing it to the surface. So comedians like Shang Wang, there's a hilarious bit on ripe avocados and how it stresses them out if they're overly ripe. He's just talking about mundane things and he's bringing it to the surface. But another way of making people laugh or producing a joyful kind of laughter is by talking about irony and paradox as well, which is why Dave Chappelle, who I think is quoting someone else, but Chappelle says, comedy is the reconciliation of paradox. And so when Sarah says, who would have thought that someone as old as me could get pregnant? What is she talking about? She's talking about paradox. She's talking about irony and the unexpected that is happening in her life. Because when God first promises Abraham and Sarah that their family tree would be as numerous as the stars in the sky in Genesis 12, that was 25 years ago. And God at that moment could have had Sarah become pregnant. But... In his providence, 25 years later, when Sarah is 91 years old, she becomes pregnant. And the question is, why wait so long? I think one of the reasons why God waits so long is because he wants Abraham and Sarah to see, but he also wants you and me to see that nothing is impossible with God, the paradox of God. But the second ingredient that we need uh, for laughter is not just being able to see irony and paradox. But the second ingredient you need for laughter is actually humility as well. Humor, uh, humor and humility actually go hand in hand with one another. The reason why we don't laugh enough is not because we don't have enough friends like Sheng Wang in our life. 
it's not because we don't have enough of those kinds of relationships. Oftentimes, the reason why we don't laugh enough is not because we don't have relationships with funny people. The reason why we don't laugh enough is because of the relationship you have with yourself, actually. One possible reason we don't laugh enough is actually because of our pride. And I love the fact that Sarah here, instead of being proud and overly dignified at what people are going to think about her at the age of 91 being pregnant, instead of her being worried that people are going to laugh at her, she is not embarrassed at all. In fact, she laughs not only with God, but she laughs at her own self and her own circumstances. C.S. Lewis writes this, Laughter is a divine gift to the human who is humble. A proud man cannot laugh because he must watch his dignity. He cannot give himself over to the rocking and rolling of his belly, but a poor and happy man laughs heartily because he gives no serious attention to his ego. Only the truly humble belong to this kingdom of divine laughter. Humor and humility should keep good company. Self-deprecating humor can be a healthy reminder that we are not the center of the universe, that humility is our proper posture before our fellow humans as well as before uh, Almighty God. And I remember after reading this quote, the first two people that I thought about were Gene and Jeannie. Uh, if you don't know Gene, he's our uh, associate pastor. Jeannie uh, is our Exilic Kids director. And um, if you don't know anything about them, uh, they have three boys, okay? Now, having one child is a privilege and a blessing because it's not easy to have kids, right? But they do have three boys. However, they wanted a girl. So they went for a fourth. And I remember during their gender reveal, they did one of those things where you, like, open up the cupcake and if it's blue, it's a boy. And if it's pink, it's, it's a girl. This, this wasn't even my baby, and I was stressed out. So, they, so I remember Jeannie getting the cupcake, and I'm like, God, please, pink, please, please. And when she opened it up, it was, it was blue. <laughs> and you could see the, the sorrow on their face for sure, right? Because this was, like, this was definitely a gamble. But in seconds, I'm talking seconds, their frown quickly turned upside down. And I think the reason why they were able to laugh and find this so humorous is because of actually their humility. Not taking everything so seriously all the time. And there is, a, you know, there is such a thing as gender disappointment, but you, you saw their humility at, their, at that moment, being able to laugh at the irony you know, of having a fourth boy when they wanted a girl. And my question to each and every one of us is this. Are you taking yourself too seriously lately? Are you becoming more of a curmudgeon or are you becoming more of a child with every passing age? Can you see irony? Can you see paradox? Can you see humor or have you become jaded and skeptical and too much of a realist like Sarah was? In verse 2 and 3, the believer Sarah now says, she became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. 
You know, if you ever study comedy, so much of comedy depends on timing. And if you want to deliver a joke well, like you have to know when to pause and know when to, you know, speed up and stuff like that. And I was reminded of this uh, because my daughters have this joke book, and it's all like dad jokes, okay? Uh, but one of, <laughs> one of my favorite jokes is, um, and they love it too, but one of my favorite jokes is, why did the skeleton not go to the party? And the punchline is, because he had no body to go with. And whenever I tell my daughters that joke, they like burst out in laughter. And they find it so funny, they want to tell everyone else. The problem is their timing. So <laughs> they'll be like, do you know why the skeleton didn't want to go to the party? Because he had nobody to go with. And I'm like, that's, you said it right, but like you have to like pause. You have to say like, because he had no body to go with. Like you have to do that like one second pause because it's not going to register with people unless you have the right timing. And in this passage, at the very time God had promised, Sarah became pregnant. He waited 25 years, according to his perfect timing, to help us see the paradox and the irony and even the humor of Sarah becoming pregnant. Because if there's one thing that he wanted them to see, and if it's, there's one thing he wants us to see, it's that nothing is impossible with God. Not a 91-year-old woman giving birth, and not a teenage virgin giving birth either. Next week, we, along with two billion other people, are going to be celebrating another birth another miraculous child. And according to God's set time, this son would also come. And his life was filled with irony and paradox because it was God becoming man. What is that? Irony and paradox. A king who actually comes to wash feet? Irony and paradox. He saved others, but he can't even save himself? irony and paradox. Uh, he was scoffed at, mocked at, laughed at, but he never opened his mouth during his own trial. Irony and paradox. He came to live so that he might die. He didn't come to live for the American dream or to live it up. He came to live so that he might die. What is that? Irony and paradox. And why did he do that? Because, because he died, we can live. What is that? Irony and paradox. But you know what the biggest irony and paradox of the gospel is? If you want to become saved, you have to do nothing. Irony and paradox. Every other religion, including secularism, you have to do something to get whatever it is you want. But in Christianity, all you have to do is nothing, and you are saved because it is not by your works or your righteousness by which you are saved, by, but by His. But the greatest thing of all is that when we do find it very hard to laugh in life because the pain and suffering is so real and so unbearable, we also do have the hope of laughter. In Psalm 126, it says that when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. 
Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. One of the things that's so interesting to me about the doctrine of hell is that in hell, there is zero singing. Whereas in Revelation, Revelation describes heaven as a place that is filled with singing. But one of the other things that's very interesting about hell is that hell is a place where there is no laughter. Actually, in hell, the only sound that you hear in hell is weeping and gnashing of teeth, that is grinding of teeth. But in heaven, the people's mouths are filled with laughter. And I don't know what every single one of us are experiencing in this life, but I say this all the time. If you are a follower of Jesus, this life is the closest you will ever get to experiencing hell. It will only get better. This is why the psalmist in Psalm 30 says, weeping may come for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And so Abraham and Sarah named their son Isaac, which literally means laughter. And I think when they saw their boy every single day and they called out Isaac, laughter, they were reminded, to, they were reminded about the irony and paradox and humor of God. But I think what they were also reminded of was to have a humble posture when it comes to the irony and paradox of God as well. And I think one of the benefits of laughter is that one of the things that laughter can do, one of the great gifts of laughter is that it can help lighten our load on this exilic pilgrimage that all of us are on as we journey back home to heaven. I was talking with a friend who moved to the West Coast uh, who was a, a, a member of our community, and they were visiting here a few months ago because, um, you know, they were having a hard time and they, you know, wanted to come back, and, and they were hanging out with some friends uh, from our church. And they said, you know, so I was like, how was dinner? And they said, you know, I, I haven't laughed that hard in years. And there's something about laughter that is that is such good medicine for every one of our souls. And so again, I want you to do a humor laugh audit of your life right now. Are you becoming more like a 40-year-old or are you becoming more like a three-year-old? Are you becoming more like a curmudgeon or are you becoming more like a child? Do you take yourself and life way too seriously or are you able to laugh at yourself and your circumstances? Are you humble enough to laugh or are you too dignified? Have you helped other people laugh or not? Because that is one of the greatest gifts you can give to another person. Let me just close with this. Um, I was uh, talking to Lisa, who's on our staff, and um, she asked me, you know, what's the sermon going to be on this Sunday? And I said, oh, it's going to be on laughter. And um, I said, do you want to know what the clever title of the, the sermon is? And she goes, oh, gosh, what? And so I said, you know, I thought this was so clever, but I said, <laughs> I said, you're not laughing enough, and that's no joke. And I expected her to, like, be, like, laughing hysterically on the floor. It was like crickets. She wasn't laughing at all. If anything, I just felt her, like, roll her eyes. And, um, and a minute later, she goes, you know what would be a better title than you're not laughing enough and that's no joke? And I was like, oh, gosh, what? And she goes, you should say, uh, that's no laughing matter. 
And I think she thought that I would explode in laughter, but it was like crickets on my side too. And, but a minute later, we were doing what you just did. We were both laughing at one another. And immediately, you could feel the temperature of the, of the room change. You could feel the temperature of our hearts change. As followers of Jesus, yes, we are called to lament. Yes, we are called to mourn. Yes, we're called to grieve. Yes, we're called to be sorrowful. But yes, we are called to be a people of joy. Yes, we're called to laugh. Yes, we're called to be happy. Because we have something to be happy about, do we not? And next week, we're going to be celebrating that again. Are you laughing enough? Maybe that's something that we can make as one of our New Year's resolutions, because according to my friend Lisa, if you don't laugh enough, apparently that's no laughing matter. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for, um, you know, everything that has taken place in 2023, all the ups and, and the downs. Help us to be observant enough to see the paradox, the ironies that have taken place in life. And, and my prayer is that the older we get, uh, that, that the less will become scroogey, curmudgeon-y, and the more that we actually would become like a child. For those of us who are having a hard time laughing lately, uh, remind us also of the hope of heaven that we really do have, uh, that weeping may be for a night, but joy will definitely come in the morning, and that is a promise. Thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay.